Let's Be Legendary podcast is a member of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network. For more podcasts ranging from true crime to nerd culture and convention news, please visit nerdandtie.com. Well, it's finally here, the last episode of season three. It's been an interesting ride this year, and we really hope all of you have had as much fun as we did. As always, we'll have a few extra things coming out between seasons, as well as some new projects to get excited over. Keep an eye on Discord and Patreon for updates on those. Also, we did something interesting this episode. For extra story, stay tuned after the credits. We strive to make this podcast and story a safe and inclusive place for as many listeners as possible. So if we've missed any content warnings, please feel free to let us know. Content warnings for this episode include adult language and mature themes. The time has come. Time has come, the price to be paid. Three heads as agreed when the deal was made. The debt has been called, swims the voice of a child. Now summoned false, we go into the wild. Imagine a world beyond the frontier, commanded by beauty, whimsy, and fear. Where each season holds a kingdom its own, summer and winter, between and unknown. But heed the steps along your path, or else endure the Faelord's wrath. The moon and the sky, a king lost in its light. The queen's empty shadow brings with her dark night. Lost in it all, one who opened the door. She stands at the precipice, her heart yet unsure. Names have been won, and now blades will sing. The bard has been set, will the knight takes a king? This is the Feywild West. Beware the realm of fairy. We must be wise, we must be brave. Now let's be legendary. You all fall to the floor with zero hit points. And then Death Ward activates. You come to, and there's air back in the hallway. It is still very cold. In fact, there is frost just about everywhere. Talia? Right here. You look around. And you see that the hallway, the huge stones had started to buckle inwards. A couple having actually fallen from the wall and ceiling towards where the dragon had lain. There is no dragon there anymore. There is a crater with a single pebble sitting in the middle of it. James shakily walks over to it and tries to pick it up. Too heavy. Too heavy. I think it's attached to the floor. Maybe don't 
don't bother with it. Um, I grab you, Celine, and I just put you in a hug. <sighs> it was at one hit point, right? Yep. Yeah. I have health potions. Yeah, okay, pass those around. We are. Uh, I don't think Harmon can have them, so you might need to I will, actually, like, I will, physically I will heal use, him. I will, actually, I'm going to cast heal on him. Nice. Um, he gets 70 hit points back. Okay. Everybody gets a superior. Talia, suddenly there's a pain on your arm. <laughs> as what? the green lettering appears once again. I look at it. <laughs> as you see it, Celine, it starts unwriting itself. The flowing venom green letters curling back in on themselves, back to the point of the mark. And then a large drop of venom green liquid forms on your arm, Talia, and drops to the ground. And there is no mark. Deal is done. It's over. It's over. I'm so sorry, Selena. Don't. Please don't. I hug you. I hug you back. Stepping out of the chamber that the dragon had been guarding, steps the broker. Very, very good. What was the point? If you were already in there. Was I? Were you? No. I slipped in during the chaos. Thank you for taking care of that. Dealing with that old pet would have been a hassle. Don't you have somewhere to be? Indeed I do. Why don't you get going then? I'll be upstairs. He steps off makes his way into the darkness. As he walks away, a light starts to shine from behind you, from the chamber. A soft, pale light. And James turns and looks. Oh, guys? What? It ain't as big as the hag's hoard, but, um... I go and join him. But I've got your hand, and I'm not letting go. I'm not moving. I'm pulling you. Ugh, Taya. Come on. Looking into the room, it is a room a hundred yards square with vaulted ceilings. And while it's certainly not stacked mountainously high, there are several piles, good-sized hills, of white gold coins. Is that more... It is... It is more rare. In fact, each white gold coin is worth two gold coin. Ooh. Well, that's something, I guess. Are there any magical items? Investigation checks, please. Hey, that's not bad. 20. There's a lot. What you are able to fit in the portable hole, 10 gems worth 1,000 gold each, 50,000 uh, white gold pieces. So that's... 100,000 gold. 
there are several items that could be magical, but the four that catch your eye right away are a battle axe. It's actually in a wooden case with red lining. I almost want to say a nickel color, but it has the weight and heft of steel. A harp that is intricately and delicately engraved with vines and scrawlings and runes. A shield that has a gold trim to it with runes inscribed in it that has a single arrow stuck into it. An arrow is sticking out of it. <laughs> okay. A mantle with a silver runed clasp. The mantle is blue with gray trim. The edge of the trim comes out in many points. So those four things. With the investigation check you gave me earlier, you find something else. A display case of some kind. But it's strange. A large silver base. It's actually about three feet in diameter with intricate engraved shapes of various creatures running, screaming, shielding their eyes and faces from an upwards direction to whatever would be on this plinth. What kind of creatures? Fey. And the space above this plinth vibrates with a strange energy and you feel like cold coming off of it. So as you're looking around, I'm shuffling my cards. And I draw three. The Ace of Swords, inverted. There is something important that we are missing. Some important information we are missing. The Seven of Cups, inverted. Illusions, temptations, and diversionary tactics. And the Two of Swords, upright. There is a decision that must be made, but we lack the information that we need to make the right decision at this time. We are missing something. The decision that needs to be made. We do not have all the answers. Two of rings inverted is the Queen of Wands. I'm going to just read these out loud and see if you two make anything of this. Okay. Two of Pentacles is an individual whose consciousness, represented by the waters, is tossed by seemingly conflicting interests. While the Ace of Pentacles represents the beginnings of new business or financial venture, the two represents the need to balance that venture with other important areas such as family, friends, or even your own physical, mental, and spiritual well-being. This card indicates the necessity for balance between opposing desires and interests. Life will always be uncertain, yet if you can produce balance and harmony among all the demands upon you, you will ultimately live happily in prosperity. And then the Queen of Wands. The Queen of Wands is the dominant feminine energy of the element of fire. She is not afraid to demonstrate her power to others, nor does she shy away from a challenge. She is therefore a strong leader who is focused on her desires and intending to get what she wants. Thus, the Queen of Wands indicates that you are strong, independent, and able to take care of yourself and sustain your own creative vision. So I'm, I'm looking at these and I'm explaining what this all means. Often the cards don't make any sense. Well, until you, until you realize what they were trying to tell you. Um, also, I was rolling to see if I remember because I thought I hadn't written it down, but I did. You did write it down. I did write it down. Iron so. sword forged by Fay in a void. Handle is able to be held. Last account was from Lord Longfellow. Wait, what? Iron sword forged in a void. And I point to the stand that's missing something. An iron sword 
that could be wielded by Fae, forged in a void. And I look back towards the area that had the dragon. The void dragon. It's missing. Why would he need a sword? Did everybody loot? Uh-huh. Everybody done looting? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I think we have a wedding to go to. Must we? Yeah, we do. We head back up then. Okay. You head back up. Back through all the corridors and you hear applause and cheering. Feeling nauseous again. This whole affair just makes me feel nauseous. Music. Sounds like we missed the ceremony. Don. Oh no. <laughs> I was so looking forward to sitting schools up. You come up into the hall and find that it has been changed somewhat. Tables have been laid out and people are sitting and dining. I pull my hood up. Same rule applies. Nobody eat the food. Especially you, Alvin. Right. That was a joke. You laugh. Oh. You're supposed to laugh. <laughs> and then he just keeps laughing. Yeah. Okay, you can stop it. It wasn't that, it wasn't that funny. <laughs> Teach this kid how to laugh. Okay. You enter into this other room and you see a head table with the Moonlit King, the Broker, and Celine. But not Celine. Not Celine. Because Celine's idea. Raven, black hair. Okay, you know how I felt nauseated before? I might show up. Anyway, yeah. A dress made of shadows, stars, and twilight. Holy hell. Selene, is that you? No. Well, I know, but... (laughs) It is decidedly not me. I know, but it's... Uncanny. No wonder the broker was coming on to you. What? Oh, he wasn't. I got my hood up. <laughs> it's not really a lie, it's just denial. <laughs> at that moment, Sarastra turns and looks at you, Celine. I'm like trying not to, but meteor gaze. A smile quirks her lips. Trying to shrink back. I very subtly step in front of her. Not mm-hmm. completely, but mm-hmm. enough to indicate protection. She gets kind of this smug look on her face and leans over to the broker and whispers in his ear. At which point, he stands up, raising a glass, and everybody goes quiet. Distinguished guests, I am humbled and grateful for all in attendance here today. I put my armor on Celine. I am shrinking back, and I'm like trying to hide under my hood. So fuck all it does. And I wish to express my gratitude for you all being at what is not just a business venture, what is not just the culmination of centuries of discussions, dealings, dates, and excessive bargaining. I'm from my eyes. Before the ever-lovely Queen of Night and Magic agreed to accept my hand in marriage. Centuries of work have gone into this, all coming together here under this roof. And I 
would like to personally thank my new father-in-law. The Moonlit King stands up. His place always gone. What'd the bracer do? It kept some madness at bay, I, I think. The broker goes to shake the king's hand, and the king puts a hand around the broker's throat. No, I'm watching. He lifts him up away from his chair, gathering power to his left hand. And in a voice much deeper than you have ever heard it, Celine, in all the dreams, in all the talking to him. You dare lay a hand on my wife? You dare to claim her hand in marriage? Celine takes a step forward. There are fey that are starting to stand up from their seats. A number of servants and vassals making their way up towards the head table. Sarastra swiftly stands up and backs away from the scene, hand on her chest, her face a mix of shock and horror. Suddenly, the broker manages to wrestle himself free as a beam of moonlight erupts from the Moon King's hand and cuts a swath of stone from the wall. Suddenly, the broker is up, standing between Sarastra and the Moonlit King, and he draws a sword. The Iron Sword. The sword gives off heat distortions as if hot in the air. The guard and handle made from that strange crystalline material. And as you look at it, it looks like it's constantly being melted away and grown back into place at the same time. Oh, that's how it works. So he's just like watching just to know how. And in one swift motion, the sword is through the king's chest. Gasps go up from the crowd and the king falls. The hole in his chest, slowly expanding, staring up at the ceiling in confusion as his eyes go milk white, the green corruption traveling up his arm and over his face. Sarastra. Sarastra. And then he's quiet. Selena? She's crying and shaking. I like pull her close to me. Then from the corpse of the Moonlit King arises an orb of white energy, like a full moon. And it suddenly zips over to the broker, slamming him in the chest. He takes a deep breath. Rolls his shoulders. And he sheathes the sword. Sarastra stands. Honored guests, I am truly shocked at the abhorrent behavior of my father. Today, we should be joyous and blissful as all newlyweds deserve. Instead, violence has marred our celebration, but I will not let my father, may his mad soul rest in peace, ruin what is now good and true. 
The moonlit king is wed again to the queen of night and magic, reuniting two powers that have always belonged together, and uniting two kingdoms that have been like two ships sailing in the night, so close but unable to see one another for what they truly are. Partners, partners in power, and we are grateful you all are here to witness our union. The king is dead. Long live the king. Without a moment's hesitation, all of the staff, all of her entourage, all of the Moon King's previous entourage, repeat. Long live the king. And the broker turns, looks you right in the face, and you hear in your ear, couldn't have done it without your help. You son of a bitch. I am looking back at him, meeting his eyes, glaring at him with pure hatred as tears stream down my cheeks. He stands there smiling, and then he blinks, shakes his head a little bit. Talia narrows her eyes at him quizzically. And he looks down at his hand, his left hand, as tendrils of green corruption start to trail up it and play across his face. The same corruption that was on the other Moonlight King? Mm Mm-hmm. He looks at Sarastra in confusion, and then, with no sound, no visual, nothing, one second, he is there. The next, he is not. Gone? Gone. And there are sudden murmurs, and Sarastra, without missing a beat. It appears my husband has disappeared. I believe it would be in everyone's best interest to end the festivities for the evening. Again, we are forever grateful for your attendance, and we look forward to seeing you all again in the future. You have my blessing for a safe journey home. And she turns and walks out of the hall, actually passing by close to you two as she does so, just walking past, not even looking at you or sparing a glance. What just happened? So the Broca killed the crazy king guy. Yeah, James, thanks. I don't need a (laughs) play-by-play. Can we see a way out of the castle from here? Celine, you know your way to the glade from here. I turned around. I don't see anything, and I just make my way there. We go that way, too. You guys make your way out towards the glade. And the other fae have made their way out to the courtyard and are making their way out through the main gate to the courtyard, everybody talking about what they had seen, about what happened. Selene is not sitting around. When we get to the glade, Talia stops her. Selene, look at me. She can't. Please. I need to. She looks at you. Talk to me, please. I never want to come back here. And we won't. I'm sorry. None of this was your fault. No, but I think you just lost someone. She shakes her head. I don't know what I've lost. Let's go home. 
she nods. Thinking he gets back to her bike. Of course. I'm gonna go back to her bike. Okay. Where specifically in her bike? Oh. Alright. You open it up to the park. I look back before I go back to the door. Look up at the moon. Goodbye. And then I go slow and I shut the door behind me. You step out from under one moon to the night sky in the park underneath the full moon of the material plane. Talia? Mm-hmm. That kind of tight feeling you were feeling earlier? Uh-huh. Feeling you need to get out and run and just like a, a tightness in your own skin? Uh-huh. That returns and you're just transfixed by the moon above. And a breeze washes across the top of the mesa. Take a couple of steps in a trance closer towards the moon. Talia? You feel your shift come on, not of your own volition. And it keeps going. You grow short fur. You grow a good six inches in height. You put on about 30 additional pounds of muscle mass. Your face extends into a near muzzle-like form. And you grow a short tail. Congratulations, you have reached level 12. And Talia, you receive hybrid form as a possible wild shape. Do I get out of the trance? As soon as the shift completes. Look at my hands. They're a bit more paw-like, but still fully dexterous. Oh, experiment. I summon Death Whisper. You can. Holy shit. It, It actually appears in that slightly larger form to fit in your hands. Uh, am I, huh, am I seeing, am I see? are we all seeing this? Please tell me we're all seeing this. <laughs> I, I dismiss Dust Whisper and I turn around and look at everybody. I'm just looking at you like, wow. My eyes are glowing. Um, I try talking. It comes out a bit huskier, but you can. This is a hybrid shift. Hybrid? Full lichens. We're able to do this. But I thought... I thought you only half. She was only half. I take a few steps back, and I try a full shift. Like, I try to get that wolf form back. So you attempt to shift into a full wolf form, and grow, and grow, and crow. <laughs> Until you stand as large as an elephant on all fours as a giant dire wolf. Please tell me we are all seeing this! <laughs> Deep throaty woof. Hi. <laughs> that probably looks a lot more ominous as a dire wolf. Your nose is bigger than his head. You're lucky I like you, James, because I lick you. 
Selene's just smiling at you, but she looks really terrible. I nudge with my face. I, sc- I scratch your, your nose. <laughs> You're magnificent. Uh, do I want to do the in-air pike? So I, I turn away from them and look up at the moon. And then as loud as I possibly can. Okay. <laughs> well, just like the just wind, just like... <laughs> like, I create a huge howl. Yeah. Yeah, you do. And every single dog in the city... <laughs> Every single dog. Upper Mesa, Lower Mesa, everywhere. Out in the farms, (laughs) miles away. (laughs) Lights start appearing (laughs) all over the place. That actually kind of gets a laugh out of Celine. Like, not like a guffaw, but like. (laughs) So I like, wait one second. And then I I immediately shift down again. (laughs) Start, like, trying to... To stop laughing. <laughs> Everybody get in the house, they're gonna be in a lot of trouble. Sarah! <laughs> Sorry! What? <laughs> like I grab the, the door and stick it on a tray. It's like okay. everybody in the house quick. I don't go in. Celine, come on. If it's alright with you, I'd like to be alone for a bit. All right, but be alone in the house. I will be in shortly. I promise. Okay. I go in the house. Okay. Standing alone in this park. Trees everywhere. Normal colored trees. Look up at the moon. Normal sized moon. And I start crying. I sit down at the base of one of the trees. I'm out there for a while. Felty minutes. Are you wrapped up in your wings? Yeah. Um, what tree? Not the one that the door is on. Can you see it? Yeah. I can see out through mm-hmm. the door, can't I? Yeah. Okay. I think she meant to come in, but I think she's so exhausted and so emotional that she just falls asleep out there. Yeah, she doesn't mean to. No, she's no. just. Uh, Talia once she told the kids they were back, and we were done. Mm-hmm. She went back to the the outside door and saw Celine sitting there mm-hmm. through the mural. I'm like, <clears throat> I'm like actually like curled up in a ball now, like in the fetal position. Yeah, Talia sits down and like inside the door mm-hmm. and just sits with you, but not with you, with you. Mm-hmm. As soon as she figures out you fell asleep, she comes out there and picks you up and takes you back in the house. What are James and Harmon doing? James <laughs> is drinking. <laughs> Harmon is watching James drink. <laughs> Ask Nikki for that upgrade next. Do you think she can? I don't know. I shall have to inquire. Thank you, both of you, for helping. I definitely wouldn't have been able to handle two dragons by myself. What? You not be able to handle... You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) He just tries it, James. You're already, like, halfway to being drunk. (laughs) And I I will kick your ass. 
<laughs> no, no, I saw you kick two dragons' asses, so <laughs> raises his glass to you. With help. With help. <clears throat> I can't believe it's actually over. <laughs> As someone who has no experience with any sort of deal ever, it's never over. It's over tonight. <laughs> I'll drink to that. You gonna get some rest? Yeah, after I drink just about every drop of shitty alcohol you got in this place. Do you want some good alcohol? Oh, fuck gods, please. Hey, <laughs> have them follow me back to the house uh -huh. where we actually have a liquor cabinet. Yeah. That has good alcohol. Have at it. Okay, yeah, he just grabs a bottle. He grabs the whole cabinet, just lifts it up <laughs> and drinks it all. Kids are okay? They're actually heavily asleep when you get back and lay Celine to bed. You get James set up with the liquor cabinet <clears throat> and you head to bed yourself. Yep. Reveling at the fact that I set all of Air Pike and surrounding area. I think that there are some dogs out. in Blue Peak that are kind of unnerved. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> Not like as freaked out as everybody in Air Pike, but there's a couple that are like, huh. I look at my arm again. It doesn't have them. No mark. This whispers mark is still there, but both bite marks are gone. Not a trace. My part is over. And I had to bed. The morning after. Celine, your dreams the night before. Just replay that instance again. Everything. Everything. But specifically, the step. You took forward. You had made motion to go forward to do something to stop it. Not even sure what. Why did I step forward at all? What was I? But you awake in your bed, curled up around yourself, Talia next to you. What time is it? Is it light out? Just barely. The hazy gray of a winter morning. But you're home. I'm home. I'm going to try to go back to sleep. Actually, I don't try to go back to sleep. I just lay there, just staring at the window. Trying not to think about everything that happened, but being unable to not think about it so much that it just becomes static. You lay there, just watching the sun slowly rise. Natalia, you eventually wake up. I close my eyes like I'm sleeping. I roll over and I think I, I curl around her. Because I don't want to get up yet. <laughs> it just lays there. I don't do anything. I don't say anything. Honey, are you awake? Celine. Uh, I think I'm awake. I'm waking up. How you doing, honey? Fine. I sit up and I look at you. No, you're not. I don't look at you. You can lie. I can lie. Talk to me, love, please. Just shakes her head. Not like, no, I won't talk to you, but like, I cannot talk to you. Like, I just don't. I don't know what to say. Just say what you feel. 
She looks out the window, closes her eyes. What I feel? Nothing. You feel something. Hollow. I... I don't... I don't even know. Is it sunny outside or is it like grey and rainy? The morning starts as grey, but as it rises above the horizon, it's a brighter sunny day. I can lie again. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? She squeezes her eyes shut, bites her lip, opens them again. I don't know. It should be. Do you remember when we were in the grove? Do you remember what I told you? That you didn't want to be a fae. She squeezes her eyes shut like she's trying not to just break down. I wish I could go back to that moment. Knowing what I know now, I may not have said that. Or perhaps I would have, especially knowing what I know now, but I can't feel it anymore. You can't feel what? I look over at you. It's a madness. I thought that's what she wanted. So did I. But it's a part of you. And now it's gone. I can't feel it anymore. I don't think it's gone. You still smell the same. Then why do I feel so hollow? Because you just lost someone. Someone I didn't even know. Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt any less. And we just went through the ringer. Your mind and body are working overtime, huh? All those feelings gotta catch up eventually. And you'll eventually heal. You'll stop feeling like yourself. I don't think so, Talia. How do you know? I think I've lost a part of myself I won't be able to get back. Couldn't have changed too much. And you still laughed at the prank last night. I don't think you lost that much. And whatever you did lose, you can find it again. You need to. She like closes her eyes and just turns away. Doesn't mean you've lost who you are. I thought I didn't know who I was. I don't think I can ever ever go back. Why? Not that you have to, but... I saw you there. What do you mean? (laughs) For months, you were worried about spending time in the Feywilds. Something about madness taking over and all that stuff. You were there for a long time. Maybe not by face standards, but definitely by mortal standards. And I am most definitely now mortal. Not from the way you smile. But there were times where, (laughs) as terrified as I was, you were having fun. 
You were still unsure of yourself in some cases, khaki in other instances, and one hell of a prankster in others. You didn't change once. I don't think you've changed it that much now. Come with me. <laughs> Just come with me. Off my hand to help you up. We're not going far. Come on. I could carry you. <laughs> I I can walk. Come on with me then. She follows. Puts a robe on or something. <laughs> She's in her undies. Talia leads you out to the stables. Gotta make sure Oli and Moite have enough food. I think Cortez is probably there too. Yeah. yeah. I think he just lives there. Can you, <laughs> can you ask Oli if they want if they've had oats in the past couple of weeks? You you can ask them, can't you? I know, but I'm gonna go get the feed. I'm I'm not sure if I can anymore. Try. She go she leaves you in where the two are stabled and goes around the corner to get their food. I don't cast it yet, but I do say to Oleander. You could just tell us that you haven't had oats. That you told me that. <laughs> that horse gives you a <laughs> horse looks at yeah. me like, really? Like a judging look. <laughs> he flicks his ear at me, like... <sighs> you can't speak with animals. You do. Do they need oats? Um. Um. No. <laughs> Don't even roll. <laughs> <laughs> Try asking. I can hear you, you know. Oleander. Uh, hmm? She winces. Oleander, do you. Can you hear me? Can you understand me? Yes. She's gonna put her head. She puts her head in his mane the same way you do as Muerte. It's a good place for her. Mm. It's a good place to. It's a good place to have feelings. Yeah, to have a feel. Have you had oats lately? No. Lots of sugar. <laughs> Who's uh, been giving you sugar? Little one. Which one? Red or purple? Red. <laughs> Do they need it? Yes. I come back in hauling oats and hay. So it worked? It did. Haven't lost too much of yourself then. Just a little on the heartbroken side, I guess. Yeah, what do I have to be heartbroken about? Lots of things, I suppose. Look at you. Quizzically. You lost someone. Tell me, I heard you say. I saw your face, Celine. I felt you shaking. I felt you move forward when the broker was in that. Choking hazard. She shakes her head. I have been thinking about that all night. She shakes her head again just... When we were standing there, watching as he gave his toast. I had never felt hatred like I did in that moment. Understandable. It was not anger, it was not frustration, it was hatred. 
It was cold and it bound. Yeah. I know that feeling very well. But when someone the king attacked him, she shakes her head again like she's trying to find the world. Your first instinct was to protect him. I don't know what it was. Just because you hate someone doesn't mean... What? You and the broker have had a complicated relationship from the get-go. And while you can hate someone, there is still a part of you that can separate things. You hate him. That's fair. But once upon a time... He was my friend. Emotions are complicated, darling. He doesn't deserve anything from you. And you're not obligated to give him anything. Just as well, I probably never see him again. Maybe. But I think it's a good thing. That your first instinct was to help. I think Selena's sitting on like one of the fence posts, curled up. I think I've moved on to brushing Oli since we're in mm-hmm. his pan mm-hmm. or near his pan. Where is making jealous noises. Jealous noises. And I'm like, I will get to you in a minute. We were standing there watching, listening to him. I would have gone there myself and tried to strangle him if I. Fair enough. Spent the whole damn time being cocky as all hell. There was a part of me that just wanted to turn and walk away. You could have if you wanted. Maybe I should have. Maybe. But you didn't. Left with my hatred intact. What good is hatred? You tell me. It can be one hell of a motivator. But it's nice to have something else when the hatred's over with. Even if those feelings are for the same person. I wish I had it back. What good's it gonna do you, darling? It would be better than what I'm feeling now. Heartbroken. She shuts her eyes and looks away. Up until yesterday, I would have done anything, nearly anything, to get him out of our lives. I can't say that. I don't know what I can say. I can say it. I look at you like. Be careful. Tread lightly. You hate him. Or hated him. And wished he wasn't in our lives and messing with us and all that fun thing. She pulls up her knees to her chest. But he did represent a part of you that was a mystery for the most part. And every time he came around, you felt a little more like yourself. Mm frowning at you. Then he brings us into the Feywilds and his whole plan slowly starts to reveal itself. And you hate him. But the moment that he was attacked, I think that very small part of you was trying to protect her friend. And when he whispered that thing in our ear, it was like a nail in the coffin person you knew never really existed in the first place. And I think a small part of you was hoping that he did. And I think that's why you're mourning. You didn't just lose a friend that you 
wandered with through his castle a few times, you lost the illusion that the oldest connection you had really, truly is gone. And it's heartbreaking. I hate him even more now. But it's not the same. It's not the same cold bound in my throat. It's just a weight in my shoulders. A weight in my chest. It gets easier after time. Look at you, kind of quizzically. That weight. It lifts if you let it. Well, in any case, it is over. It's over. And she gets concerned look on her face. Talia. Yeah? I'm not sure how to say this. Just be blunt. Best way you know how. I'm not angry at you anymore. For the deal? She nods. I know it's a strange thing to feel compelled to say. Means a lot to hear it though. Not just that, I'm not... I'm not angry at you anymore. For any of it. Any of the things I was angry with you for. As it was happening, as the Void Dragon was collapsing in on itself and pulling us in, and I grabbed your hand and looked into your eyes, and all I could think was all the things I was so angry at you for. None of it mattered. I spent so much time being angry at you for... None of it mattered. All I could think was, is... Is this the end? Is this... Is this how it ends? I've never been afraid of death, Talia. But to think that I would never have another morning waking up next to you or watch you cook breakfast or I would never read to the children with you again. <laughs> that you would never playfully chase me around the house anymore. That we would never get into trouble again. That was what mattered. And I could not bear the thought of it. Being so angry with you for just doing what you thought was right. Um, I stopped brushing Oli and I. I woke up to you and kind of nest myself between your legs. Mm -hmm. So we're, you know, I've got my arms around your waist. Mm -hmm. I understand why you were mad. And you were right to be mad. And I am sorry. I know I've said that before, but I never wanted you to feel like I was making decisions without you, or I didn't value. I get why you were upset. I'm not anymore. You were still right. I... No, Celine, look at me. You were right. And even if you don't need to hear it, I need to say it big decisions that I think are only going to affect me. They're never going to just affect me again. They're always going to affect you. They're always going to affect the kids. Now they're going to affect our friends. I have no idea what I was doing when I made the first deal. And I was so sure I did. And he knew that. I don't know what the right decision would have been. But I suppose it does not matter. The past is buried. 
I'll just rest my head on your shoulder. Clap my wings out on you. And I hug you. What do we do now? And I pull back a little. I've still got a bounty I gotta go after. I haven't forgotten about that son of a bitch. And what after that? After that we'll see. But no matter what, we're in this together. You, me, Jareth, Adrian, and uh, our pack. It's gonna be alright. Celine gets a strange look on her face. I know. She looks up at Talia. It's strange after everything we've been through and everything I'm feeling now. But somehow I know. I don't know how it will be, okay? I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And she manages to smile. A little one. But as long as I have you, as long as we are together, and I will figure it out somehow. As long as we're together. And she smiles. Celine. Hmm. Your wing. What about it? I point at one single white one. It's coming in. Oh. I like lift it up. Lift up the wing. Oh. I wonder what that means. Season 3 of the Feywild West game has come to a close. Thank you for joining us this season, and we hope you're ready for Season 4, which will be premiering October 4th for Patreon and October 6th for the public. We also have a lot of goodies coming out on Patreon between now and then, so stay tuned. As always, we ask you to leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening on. You'd be surprised how much that helps out small creators. We have links to all of our social media in the description, as well as a link to our Discord. We spend a lot of time there and hope you'll stop by to say hi, post some memes, and maybe look at some cat pictures. Talia Argent Gray is played by Chris Sass Council. Celine Argent Gray is played by Megzi Sass Council. The voice of the Queen of Night and Magic was Jess Richards. And our dungeon master is Molly Hexcroft. Our producer and editor is Molly Hexcroft, pronouns she, her. Producer, manager, and editor is Jess Richards, pronouns they, them. Producer, art director, and assistant mixer is Megzi Sass Council, pronoun she, her. And our producer, director, head editor, and mixer is Chris Sass Council, pronouns they, them. Credits for music and sound effects can be found in the show notes. Celine's tarot deck is the Marigold deck by Umrit Esbrar, and the tarot guide used in-game can be found at biddytarot.com. From all of us at Let's Be Legendary, thanks again for listening. Season 4 of the Feywild West starts October 6, 2021. Now, for an extra bit of story. Stay legendary. Broker! So as you stand in front of all of the guests, the power traveling through your body, not just body, but you could feel it deep in your soul, this much power, you had an idea, but you weren't aware of just how much. And it's yours. 
and you just got through telling Talia, couldn't have done it without you. And then in the back of your mind, there's this thought, the dance is calling, I have to go. But it wasn't really your thought. You could tell it was your mind, but it wasn't yours. It was like this invasive thought in your voice. The dance is calling. I have to go to it. Again, it's not you that's thinking it, but it's in there. And then there's a, a sharp little prick on your hand. And you watch as this corruption of sickly green veins start crawling up your arm. And as you watch it, that invasive thought just gets louder and dissonant. And just as you think you have to do something about this, there's a command. Come to me. Without even blinking, you are suddenly under the night sky on the material plane. Fields go on for miles. You're pretty sure you see some farms, handful of trees scattered along the roads, and these are roads, mortal roads, coming from four different directions. And you are standing directly in the center of crossroads. The hell? There is a scent on the air. You think you're somewhere close to the ocean, but you can't quite be sure. There is a salty taste to the air, which does happen, obviously, near the ocean. But there is another smell that catches your attention. One that, as soon as you recognize it, follows a thread of power. And it is a low thrumming power accompanied by the scent of sulfur. But there's something odd about it. Something you can't quite put your finger on. You can almost recognize where this thread of power could be coming from because you're aware of these creatures. But the new mantle of the Moonlit King, there's something ominous about this power. Far more than you have felt any other time you have encountered creatures like this. Ah, oh, hell. I turn around, looking at the four different directions. My eyes narrow. There's nothing around. You don't see anyone. But it is silent. Unnatural. There's not even insects out. Your feet spinning in a circle, barely make a sound. You know, I'm usually all for fun and games. But if you're looking to make a deal, you best show yourself. <laughs> a chuckle echoes in the space. And it's strange because it feels very close as in somebody in a very small room was chuckling right next to you, even though you're in a vastly open space. All hail the new king. There's a voice behind you. 
at turn. You see standing at one of the corners of the crossroads, at one of the junctions, you see a woman standing. She's maybe 5'6". She is very petite. She looks like one of the mortal cities have a woman in a position of power. High collar, longer sleeves. She has very, very straight black hair that is falling just above her chest line. She has very dark makeup on. Her skin is a very unnatural pale color, as if this person does not get a lot of sun. And her eyes, as she tilts her head and lifts a brow with a slow, sinister smile, flicker and glow a deep red. And you recognize a demon when you see one. My congratulations, Moonlit King. And who do I have the pleasure of addressing? I have many names, many titles. That is how you fae handle yourselves, is it not? The Dark Dweller, Mistress of Fire, Crossroads Demon. But for you, you may call me Ilka. Ilka. And she begins walking. Not towards you. She actually begins walking from one junction to the next in a slow, methodical <laughs> circle. However, you've been alive long enough to notice a predator stalking prey. And it is a very overt move, but you know demons are very forward. And she doesn't take her eye off you the entire time. I don't turn to follow her. I stand completely still, completely nonchalant, relaxed even, even as she steps behind me. Power play can go both ways. But despite me not looking at her, uh, my attention is always on her. As she gets directly behind you. So you are here for deal. That's what you called me here for, isn't it? And he he holds up his hand and wiggles his fingers where the corruption had started. It is indeed one the Moonlit King made many millennia ago. She comes back into your line of sight. So, are you here to pay? Or do you intend to dance in your madness? What was this deal? This deal was simple. The Moonlit King came to me for aid. If I were to aid him and grant him my power, he would in exchange give to me souls. Both what he had and what he intended to get. And at that point she stops and she is once again directly in front of you. Mm -hmm. He did not fulfill his part of my deal. <laughs> The Moonlit King, His Luna and Royal Majesty, Lunamir Imbrium, the 14th, kept no souls and never traded in them. Exactly. So he held to his end of the bargain. 
<laughs> you little fairies like to work your deals with suggestion and what is not said. These are not the deals that demons make. When you make a deal with me, you uphold your end in love and in spirit. If you are going to bargain with what you do not have, you do not get to make bargain. If you have no souls and do not intend to take souls, you are in breach of contract. Which is why, for many centuries, it has been fun to watch the Moonlit King dance. His madness. His madness was of your doing. A very wicked smile crosses her face. And a look of realization crosses the brokers. What was the deal for exactly? What did he intend to do with the power you gave him? The original deal was forfeit. He did not keep his end. So it dissolved and he faced consequences. The question is, now that the mantle has changed and another little fairy has taken on the title, is what you want with power? In the interest of keeping my sanity, I will be upfront and forthright in that I do not often trade in souls, nor do I have many, and those I have I need. I see. So, you wish to create a new deal then? If I must, then yes. At this point, she starts walking forward. The deal is for the Moonlit King, and as long as you hold that title, I hold your contract. I am willing to shift it to suit your needs. He who stands between. But either way, I will get what I want. It's just a matter if you will get what you want. The devil collects her due. Indeed. And she walks past you at this point. And from behind you. Do you have no desires? <clears throat> no aspirations? I have. However, I would be most grateful if you could answer me my question. What did my predecessor want with this power? She doesn't say anything for a bit, but she does come back into your light of view and she is uncomfortably close. And that power that's radiating off of her. Make a perception check. 14. You don't catch it this time. Okay. But that power is very uncomfortable that close to you. Mm -hmm. And she's almost in your face, but she's not touching you. He wanted to take the kingdom of his daughter. I do not remember her name. You fairies have so many. They're boring. You offered him power enough to take over a kingdom. If he would have held his end, yes. Then that's what I want. Power. Power enough to overthrow a kingdom. It's a 
good to know you creatures do not change. She walks away a little bit. So for one who does not deal in souls and does not intend to take many, what do you offer me in return? I'm going to make another perception check really quick, if that's okay. Yeah, go ahead. 18 plus 10. You have encountered demons before. You've encountered many, before and after the Sundering. Demons sometimes made their way into the Feywilds. It was very rare, but mm. they did. You have encountered many on the Material Plane. Of all sorts. Crossroad demons are actually pretty common. They're the equivalent of... Used car salesmen. Very much so. There's a lot of them. They can very easily just show up at a crossroads to somebody who knows how to call them correctly. And a few of them can be pretty powerful. You know what those feel like. You know what those smell like. You know what those act like. This demon is not a crossroads demon. This demon is older. She is ancient. Ancient in ways that you will one day become. You're not really sure exactly. You can maybe make some educated guesses, but you know for a fact, this is not a crossroads demon. Mm -hmm. What sense of the land can I get around me? What I'm curious about is how much of her power resides here. Make another perception check. It's not a high DC, though. Nat 20. Nat 2. Never mind. As the new Moon King, your powers can extend a lot further than they can. You just send out a ripple of what you can like to get surrounding areas, something that you've done many times. Your power, your little blip of power to find out surrounding areas, it actually kind of covers a couple of districts. That's how that check worked out, considering it wasn't a very high DC to begin yeah. with. So you're going to get a lot more. Cool. You actually catch a couple of districts. You can 100% say this is the district that mortals have called District 5. It's close to the coast. Its major city is in a canyon. Made a deal or two up this way, but not too many. You haven't had a few many deals in this particular area. And you've really never been able to figure out why. It's just this area just didn't appeal to you for some reason. No smells, right? Just something about it was off. And there wasn't really a whole lot that somebody in this area could offer you. Whereas fools in, you know, District 1 were just falling over themselves. Your reach actually hints towards District 1. But it catches a handful of districts. Specifically looking for this power signature. It is corrupted District 5 to the core. There is so much of this demon's power saturating the ground. You could almost feel your insides sort of shrivel up at the thought of just how much energy is infused in this district alone. And that is spreading to surrounding districts. You can actually feel hints of it in one in the main area that you've been working in for a few years. But you can almost feel there are tendrils of it that are reaching further and further. But aside from being on the hell plane, I'm standing in the middle of her turf. You are in the dead center of it. 
You've been walking this plane for some time, corrupting this land, working your will. Your influence is spreading, but how long did that take? She smiles. Decades. Centuries. I know you uh, don't necessarily approve of my business tactics, but I'm going to guess, and I think it's a good one, that I've shaken more hands than you. That smile stays in place for just a moment before dropping completely. You have, you are giving deals nasty reputation, bad for business. The ways to the Feywild have been opened. They've been opened for the better part of two decades. I am aware. I had been doing my best to curtail certain individuals from making their way into the material plane. But as time goes on, I find it increasingly difficult. That is the problem with doors. You leave them open a crack. It is not too much longer before the vermin start to slither out. He takes your meaning, but he doesn't rise to the bait. Nope. With my newfound power, I can place guards on the doors. Control the flow of who comes and goes. Less competition for you. She looks intrigued, but not mollified. In addition, I'll make sure no one finds out what you're hiding. She gets a curious look on her face. I have not been to the Feywilds for many years, but I did not know that gaining power was a secret. She lifts up a brow. She smiles. People gain power for all sorts of reasons. You focused a lot of power here. It is true. I enjoy the sea air. Hell does not have many ocean views, as they say. That's a new go where the idiots are. One has to wonder why you gather all this power here, aside from the sea air. And opportunity. And she starts walking again, still in a slow circle. She's a bit closer now, and that aura is... You feel heat on your skin, as if you're standing right next to an open flame. Much like you little fairies, Demons and devils need portals to come out of. It just so happens that the first one I came out of was here. The landscape has changed much in the years. But overall it remains home, away from home. A door to hell. See, the funny thing about doors Especially doors out of the material plane. They don't just lead one place. 
Indeed they don't. She smiles in that very condescending way. As if to tell you, congratulations. You figured it out, stupid. You got a daughter hell. Here. I wonder if, say, an individual such as the Winter Queen would find such a door of interest. A door that leads that deep must open wide. Oh, you little fairies in your fanciful tales. You're so cute. Opening your little trees all over the continent as if no one else has noticed. You think there is only one door to hell. One lies in their bike. A place you have been to many times. And you didn't even bother to notice. Smile fades a little bit from his face. <laughs> Good try. Now about deal. Let us discuss terms. I do not want your pitily little protections at your doors. They are easily burned, and I know where they are. A few vermin might get through, but overall, they make no matter to me. Then what would you ask of me? Of you, he who stands between. Prince of Twilight. The Moonlit King. Of you, I would ask for loyalty. He holds up a finger. Loyalty. You fare so notorious for looking after your own interests. You have no pride, no honor. I know several Fae who would disagree with that sentiment. And I care not who they might be. You are all little vermin scurrying around your little forest. The broker starts to rise a bit. And he reaches for the new power of the Moonlit King and rises up a bit and is essentially attempting to flex. And as he does that, Ilika slowly reaches a hand out and with a quick snap of her fingers, you feel pain. Pain that is unimaginable. Pain that feels like fire is traveling underneath your skin, destroying the very essence of who you are. And all the while, there is a voice that sounds like your own that starts whispering to you. The dance is calling. The dance under moonlight. And you can feel who you are, the very essence of who you are at the core, start fading. This demon smiles. The broker has fallen to the ground and is writhing and screaming in madness and pain. She 
snaps her fingers again and it all stops. <gasps> he breathes heavily for a minute before composing himself and standing back up. This time turning to look at her. She's smiling. Who the fuck are you? Memory loss must be a thing with you. You are no crossroads, demon. Then who am I? Ashlindra. How the fuck? <laughs> you little creatures place so much importance on a name. But the moment you took up the title of the Moonlight King, you are mine. Little fairy. And what I do with you depends on your decision. You can either have power, or I can make you dance. It has been made quite clear to me that I have little room for bargaining in this venture. She gets a very amused and almost sweet smile, which doesn't quite read as sweet with no. her very dark makeup and glowing red eyes. I wouldn't take it too personally. The previous Moonlit King also thought he had weaseled his way out of the deal. I'm surprised it took it this long for someone to kill him. How long have you been planning that? She starts walking again in a slow circle. Long enough. <laughs> I hope it's everything you want. So, in exchange for my power to take over a kingdom, I would have your loyalty. If you cannot give me what I ask for, I will take something else. And that loyalty is pricey. Define loyalty. Of course. And she snaps both of her fingers, and in her hands is a piece of parchment. A fairly new piece of parchment. Mm -hmm. And she begins reading out. Your contract, loyalty to me and only me, thus follows. You will be my eyes and ears in the places I cannot go. I will have access to you, meaning your body and mind, when I desire. Trust. I have no desire to inhabit. And she gives you a once-over. A fay for too long. But it is stipulation and contract. You will keep your little rats in their cage as much as possible. But if a few get out, I trust you no way to deal with them. You will also, under no circumstances, in my realm, and she gestures around, which the mortals have referred to as District 5, make any deal. What you do outside, I don't care. These are my terms, Moonlit King. May I make a request for an amendment? You may make one. You and I are two very, very different origins. 
there are certain concerns I have and implications of a being such as yourself being able to possess or inhabit my mind and body. My concern is thus. Should an untruth come from my lips? I see. Oh, that would be complicated, wouldn't it? The Enderman. I will have the ability to inhabit your body and mind, but you will keep control. He bows his head in concession. I find those terms agreeable. Well then, the deal is done. He reaches out for a handshake. She bypasses that hand and puts it on his chest. Uh, I usually shake on my deals. You are a fae. I am not. And there is a burning sensation right where her fingers are. He attempts to step away, but I am 100% sure that he can't move. He cannot. In fact, he is frozen in place. And even attempting to put his hand down from where he had it out to uh. reach to shake, he can't move it. And she just sits there and smiles up at him because he's a little bit taller than her at the moment. Uh-huh. And her eyes start to swirl as this strange crimson that's much darker than the red they have been glowing with starts to circle. A slow vortex inside her eyes, and you can't look away. And slowly that crimson overtakes all of her eye until you're looking into blood pools. And there is a strange part of you that knows that's your blood. Then her hand curls, and the fingers actually enter your skin. It almost feels like it's breaking, but not really. As she reaches inside your chest and grabs your heart and squeezes. Just the reminder, I am always with you, Ashutra. And then instantly her hand is back to her side in a blink. And on your chest are the imprints of claw marks making five, the circumference of a fingertip mm -hmm. in your chest. But the more you concentrate, there's a burning around your heart. Like you can still feel her hands squeezing. However, you do watch the corruption that had been kind of hinting at your hand, it starts turning black and flaking away like ash. And it just dissolves into the air. And she smiles and tucks a single straight hair back behind her ear. Well, it was a pleasure meeting you on that king. We are going to do a lot of business together, I can tell. Until we meet again, Ilika. 
your grace. And as she bows and lifts back up, her form fades, leaving behind glowing red eyes for just a moment until she vanishes. That sulfur smell that has been lingering throughout the entire time you've been here slowly dissipates, but is not completely gone. And that throne of power quiets. Again, doesn't disappear, but it quiets down. A second goes by. Another second goes by. You start hearing crickets. As if nature knows the threat is gone. And starts up again. Time was holding its breath. The broker looks down at the ground where she had been walking. What does he see? He does see something in the ground. Where she had been walking, now that she's gone, what's left behind is like somebody had taken fire and like burned it into the ground. Where she had been walking creates a spiral. The same spiral that you saw in her eyes. But through the center of it are two lines, like crossroads. Broker sighs, snarls a little bit. Sarastra, you are one traitorous wife. Somewhere way, way off in the distance, still going off of that nat 20, you hear a wolf howl. You're pretty sure you know who it is. Yeah. Smiles. We have some work to do. And he steps off into a door. Crossroads behind. 